I'm Jesse Aredia, and you're listening to Mom Empowered, where I help moms ditch their anger, break free from anxiety, and create the life they've always wanted. This show is for the mom who's ready to become more free and empowered. Today's episode is sponsored by Freshly. Freshly delivers healthy, never-frozen, chef-prepared meals to your doorstep that you can heat and eat in under three minutes. I know that eating healthy can be so hard when you're busy taking care of a newborn or chasing after little ones. I remember in some of my busiest seasons of motherhood how I would sometimes just forget to eat or I would find myself eating the scraps off of my kids' plates or rummaging through the pantry for something quick that was usually over-processed and not all that great for my body. Well, what I love about Freshly is that Freshly lives at the intersection of health and convenience by providing people with fully prepared, nutritious meals that make it easy to eat healthy. Instead of having to spend hours cooking in the kitchen, which let's be honest, is not how most of us wanna spend our evening these days, Freshly can save you so much time and effort. The meals arrive at your doorstep packaged in a way that keeps them fresh in your fridge for up to a week, no freezing required, and can be eaten and enjoyed after just a few minutes in the microwave. You can also trust each Freshly meal to be full of nutrition-dense ingredients, quality proteins, and complex carbs that keep you feeling energized and can work with your personal dietary preferences, whether you are gluten-free, dairy-free, low-calorie, or low-carb. Honestly, eating healthy has never been so simple for our family. We have loved every single one of the Freshly meals we've tried, like the Sierra Chicken Bowl, my personal favorite, tasted so good with the fire-roasted peppers and chicken topped with their chili lime sauce, yum. Then the chicken tikka masala, which was spiced to perfection and had the most tender chicken thigh meat. We love eating tikka masala in our house, but we don't necessarily love to cook it. So Freshly, thankfully, took all of the work out of it And to tell you the truth, it tasted even better than if we had made it ourselves. Another one of my favorites is the turkey mushroom meatballs topped with pesto on a bed of zoodles. Now, I'm a huge fan of pesto, and I'm telling you, these meatballs did not disappoint. So if you are ready to try Freshly out for yourself, I am so happy that I get to offer you guys $15 off of your first Freshly order when you visit the website tryfreshly.com forward slash mom empowered. If you are wanting to preserve your time and energy for the things that matter most, Freshly's healthy, convenient meal service is the way to go. Again, when you use the website tryfreshly.com forward slash mom empowered, you get $15 off of your your first order. Try Freshly now. All right, you lovely mamas, you guys are in for a treat because for today's episode, I had the joy of chatting with Brittany Bergman, author of the new book, Expecting Wonder, The Transformative Experience of Becoming a Mother. Now, what I love about this book and this conversation is that they're centered on the journey of becoming a mom, walking through pregnancy, navigating all of the things that go into preparing yourself and your life for this new wonder, and meeting God every step of the way while learning how to embrace your new identity as a mom. Well, today, Brittany and I talk about how her own personal journey of becoming a mom has led her to reinvent, reimagine, get creative. And we chat about making space physically and emotionally for new moms and moms-to-be and some of the fears and struggles that a lot wrestle with. I do believe you're going to love this conversation and that you will find it relatable, encouraging, and fun. Before we dive in, I do want to remind you all that I am currently enrolling clients into my 12-week mom-empowered coaching program, and the doors to this program are closing in less than a week. So if you are a mom who is ready to be empowered to fully enjoy motherhood, cultivate a stronger marriage, become a healthier, more confident version of yourself, and step into all that God has for you, you do not want to miss this opportunity. Together, I will help you become a master of your thought life. We will help you break free from what is most holding you back from transformation, reach your goals, align your life 
life with your God-given dreams and values and take empowered steps forward into breakthrough. So until August 14th, I'm accepting applications for free empowerment calls, which you can fill out on my website at jessieredia.com forward slash empowerment call. Again, I am enrolling clients for one more week, so do not miss out on this opportunity. You can apply for a call at jessieredia.com forward slash empowerment call. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Brittany. Hey, Brittany, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Jesse. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, I know I really want to talk about your book, Expecting Wonder. Um, that is coming out in August. Um, I just, I know that this is a book that so many moms could benefit from, or even moms to be could benefit from as they're walking through pregnancy, preparing to step into motherhood. Um, so I want to hear, I want to hear all about that. Um, but before we dive in, could you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and your family and I guess just what this season of life looks like for you right now? Absolutely. Um, I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation. This is the first real conversation I've had outside of like my work with my publishing house about this <laughs> book, which is crazy. I've been holding it so close to the chest for so long as I write. Um, and now it's really fun to share that with the world. So again, Yay. thanks for having me and for that opportunity. So um, my name, of course, is Brittany, and I live in the suburbs of Chicago um, with my husband, Dan. Um, we've been married for almost seven years, and we have a four-year-old daughter, Sayla, and a one-year-old son named Eamon. He just turned one last week. And I work at a publishing house as a copy editor, um, not the same publishing house that is doing my book, but I've been doing that job for almost six years now. Um, and I work mostly full-time. I'm about 30 hours there Monday through Thursday, a mix of at home and in the office. And we kind of, my husband is a real estate agent, so he works odd hours and our childcare is just always up in the air. Um, and it feels like we're always reinventing things, but that's what life is like for now. Yeah. What is, I'm, I'm so intrigued by, so you, you're a, you said you were a copy editor Yes. And now you're an author. So like, what, what was that transition like? I guess I'm still doing both. So I, I started working as a copy editor around the same time that I got back into my writing practice, which was not an accident. When you apply for jobs as a copy editor, you often have to submit writing samples. And so as I was sort of amassing these writing samples, I started blogging and getting into that creative world. And so I've sort of been on these two almost parallel tracks because I work, you know, inside a publishing house in one capacity. And now I'm totally on the other side of things with a different publishing house as an author. So I actually feel like the two make a lot of good space for each other. The copy editor job is much more by the book. It's very checklisty. Like it's some creative problem solving, but not nearly the same kind of big picture thinking that being an author requires. And I just feel like it's the perfect balance for me of like my skills and my passions um, to be able to do both. So it's, it's a lot. It's probably at times it's too much to be working, you know, just like a regular number of hours and also writing a book. Um, I think I would probably do that differently if I wrote another one. Uh, but that's where I am right now. And um, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so your book, Expecting Wonder, I know that you wrote this um, sort of as a way to share your motherhood journey, but also to walk alongside others um, and their faith and their motherhood journey. So can you kind of walk us through I guess just the backstory behind your book, you know, what, what's the heart behind it? Absolutely. Um, I don't think it will come as a surprise that it, this idea originated for me during my first pregnancy with my daughter. Um, this was back in 2015. And my pregnancy with her was relatively uncomplicated medically. But even so, it just felt so scary and unknown. And I really wrestled with a lot of fear and anxiety. And as much as I really longed to relish every minute of what was happening, you know, um, I was often swept away by things that just either concerns that I couldn't control about 
the health of my baby and what was going on and was her heart beating and, you know, was she growing accurately and what will the next ultrasound say? I was swirling around with those thoughts, but then I was also trying to control the things that I could with a baby registry and decorating the nursery and making the birth plan and all of that. Um, And at the same time was trying to do my very best to read all the pregnancy books. And what I found was that those books kind of approached pregnancy as this medical condition to be managed instead of this transformation that I was Mm. feeling internally. Um, I didn't feel like it, the weight to how sacred this was. And I found myself really craving not more checklists or more what's happening or how to prepare, but I really just wanted to read stories of women who were feeling the way I was feeling, who had this like deep inner, almost like an inner tension as we're being transformed into mothers. Um, And I wanted to hear about women who had been through all of this before, who had been shaped through this process of pregnancy. And I just couldn't quite find what I was looking for. And so I just started taking notes like crazy while I was pregnant. Any, you know, new emotional development, any time that I felt like God really met me where I was. um, I just, I took tons and tons of notes. And out of that came this collection of stories about being pregnant for the first time. I love that. And I do love that your book, like there are parts that are practical, you know, like they do focus on practical parts of becoming a mom, stepping into motherhood. Um, But you're right. Like there is a deeper component that a lot of books do not dive into. There's the wrestling and the fears and the doubts and the stepping into this new identity, this new role as a mom. Um, I love that one of the quotes in your book is, the only way to our new identities as moms is through a willingness to let go of pieces of ourselves. And I'm wondering if you can explore that a little bit further for those for the listeners. Like, what did that look like for you? What pieces did you maybe have to let go of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, like you were saying, we're kind of handed this cultural script or this myth that pregnancy is all about just being grateful, grateful, grateful all the time. Um, And we don't often acknowledge the loss that comes with being, you know, becoming moms for the first time, not to mention like the losses that can be inherent in pregnancy through, you know, miscarriage and diagnoses. Mm. But like, there's just loss even in becoming a mom for the first time. And so I think in terms of letting go of pieces of ourselves, I think that obviously is going to look different for everyone. Some pieces we might choose to lay down others we might not have any control over. Um, And I think one of the most important things I did was just embrace that at the beginning of motherhood. I had a hard time embracing that during pregnancy. But once my daughter arrived, I just felt this overwhelming urge to dive in all the way. And I was really scared to do that because I didn't want to lose myself in motherhood. Um, But I just felt like God was saying, just give this, just give yourself to this for right now. It won't always be like this. And so it always brings to mind for me that metaphor of the crashing waves where, you know, if you're fighting the wave and you're fighting the rip current, it's going to pull you under anyway, and you're going to get pummeled and you're going to get crushed. But if you see these waves coming and you dive deep into the water, you can sort of work with the current until it's possible for you to surface. And so I, that's what I tried to do. I just gave up every single one of my expectations, which is not easy for me. I'm definitely a perfectionist, definitely a high expectations kind of person, but I saw it as an act of grace for me and for my child to totally lose myself temporarily in caring for her and, you know, just letting her snooze on my chest for hours. And, you know, if I don't get a shower today, fine. I don't get a shower today. Like if I didn't find time to read today, fine. Um, And I tried to be okay with that as much as possible, but always keeping in mind that this, this should be a short-lived season. And I needed to keep my eyes oriented to the surface for when it would be, you know, when it would be time to sort of move into a new season with that. So then it became more like, okay, I've let everything go. Now, what do I want to add back to my life? Like, mm-hmm. I, can't, I don't have room for all these pieces anymore. What do I want to retain? What do I value enough? You know, the things I thought I valued enough to bring back into my life, I didn't. Um, 
you know, I, I feel like the things that I added back in were, were softer pieces of me, you know, carving out time to read, being creative, going for a walk. And a lot of the pieces that I let go of were rooted in perfection. You know, the perfect eating, perfect workouts, perfect orderliness at home, perfectly uninterrupted time. And I just found that there wasn't much room for perfect anymore. And so I'm still in the process of letting that go. But that's that's kind of where I landed is sort of in this weird Marie Kondo place. Like it that was <laughs> that was definitely the process after becoming a mom. It was more, okay, everything's out on the table. Now what's worth inviting back into my life? Yes. And I love the way you just, you painted that picture. And it's funny how you even said like, there wasn't much room for perfect anymore. And I kind of like want to add on to that because, you know, I, I had to learn the same for myself, but also I realized that perfect isn't all that it's cracked up to be anyway. You know, like I, I remember when I first became a mom, I was so distraught that I couldn't have like that picture perfect quiet time that I used to have like Mm, with my devotional and my coffee and my bible and I would just study the word for hours and I didn't realize that there were so many more ways I could meet with the Lord or that God could meet with me and there were there were parts of my relationship with him that he wanted to nurture like I you know I started going to the park you know and pushing the stroller and just listening to worship and realizing that there's mm-hmm. so much beauty in his creation I I had never considered myself a nature person before and all of a sudden I was addicted to it and it, I realized like oh my mm-hmm. gosh like this idea of perfect that I had it wasn't even all that perfect because there were new things still to be uncovered um so I just I love the way that you even address that like perfect I mean there's not much room for that as a mom, and that's okay. Um, It's normal, and it's okay. I'd love to know, what are some other ways you've seen God personally meet you where you're at as a mom, or maybe even on your pregnancy journey? Yeah, I resonate so much with what you said. Um, I think motherhood and pregnancy has been one invitation from God after another to reimagine and reinvent and get creative. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, I I wanted to get right back to what I was before, back to that perfect quiet time, back to my routines, back to all these things. And I just, I couldn't. And I found that there was beauty on the other side of that. Um, so again, I just, I really relate to that part of your story too. I think I've just learned so much about the tenderness and motherly love of God from becoming a mother, which sounds so obvious, of course. Of course, I learned about the motherly love of God from becoming a mom. But after a lifetime of having been taught almost exclusively that God is a warrior and God is a fortress and he is fierce and protective and strong, that was, you know, that was sort of the faith of my childhood. And while all of that is true and it has a place and it's it's so meaningful and important, but there's another side to God too. Um, and so only knowing that one side of him had always left me feeling a little bit afraid and becoming a mother opened my eyes to all the places in scripture where God is compared to the tenderness of a mother and mm-hmm. then feeling that overwhelming and that all encompassing love and that pure that pure delight in my babies revealed God's love to me in a whole new way. And I feel like because of my tendency to perfection, I, I am kind of drawn to that God as a warrior, God as perfection, like that, that rigid side of God. And I, as I had to release control during pregnancy and new motherhood, I felt like he let me do that little by little by just whispering his tenderness to me, these small nudges to, for instance, tell people that I was expecting when I was still so afraid that I was going to miscarry. Um, He reminded me of his care and attention when I thought about how tiny this baby was. I remember one of the most startling moments for me was reading, you know, I don't know, week seven or something where the baby is compared to a blueberry, you know, how all the books and the apps compare babies to produce. And it said, your baby is now 10,000 times bigger than he or she was at the time of conception. And I was like, but my baby is the size of a blueberry. So what, 
what is one ten thousandth of a blueberry? And how much does God care for this little baby that, mm. that like he loved her and created her at the size of one ten thousandth of a blueberry. And now as they become these little people and they, they sleep and they take their first steps and they learn to use their voices. Um, I just, I, I feel like I must feel only a fraction of the way that God feels about us. And as someone who has really struggled to access the loving and tender side of God, it has meant everything to me. Mm, Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like motherhood for me has taught me more about grace than any other thing I've ever walked through. Um, Mm, you know, like talking about God's grace and how to give grace to myself and how to offer grace to others. Um, you know, and especially, you know, I, I agree with you. Like I, I do kind of bend toward maybe more like a perfectionist kind of viewpoint of, you know, myself and God. And for the longest time, I just kind of saw God as more of like an angry disciplinarian sometimes, Mm. even though, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that out loud, but secretly that was how I felt. So whenever I made a mistake as a mom, which I made many, 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 I mean, I still do make many, but especially in that first year as a new mom, um, I, I just, I remember like having to come to terms with this idea of God is not, he's not being an angry disciplinarian with me right now. Like there is grace for me. And I just learned how to embrace almost my mistakes because it's through that that like, you know, you learn more of love and more of grace. And and now I get to model that for my kids because as I'm disciplining them, I'm having to teach them how to, you know, say they're sorry, but also how to not, you know, fixate on the past, not fixate on, you know, the wrongdoing. And I don't know, there's just, there's so many things that motherhood teaches us about Mm -hmm. God and his love. Um, You know, it's, it's a really tremendously valuable time for wrestling with what you believe about him um, as a father, as a nurturer. So thank you for even just sharing like that, that part of your journey with us. Um, because, you know, it looks different for everybody, I feel like, but yet there's so much, um, there's so much relatable pieces um, that we can glean from your story in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love and to I get think that's into, just, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's just another way that motherhood really shatters our illusion that there's only one path and one way forward and this one destination that we're all headed to. Like, we are all individual mothers we can we are only the mothers that we can be um we are not all the same and for sure the lord knows that we all have very different children and so this because i saw god as this angry disciplinarian i realized very quickly that i was tempted to become that kind of parent and i wanted like I wanted to run away from that really fast. Um, I did not want to be an angry disciplinarian. I didn't grow up in a family like that, so I'm not sure where I got that. But I feel like the the natural inclination of a toddler to question why um, <laughs> God really used that to allow me to ask myself why. Like why do I feel this urge? Why do I see God this way? Why do I why do I feel this weird temptation to wield power over my child? And is there a different way? Is there a way that's going to support her better? Is there a way that's going to make me feel good? Like that we can leave this discipline moment, both feeling good and both feeling like our relationship has been strengthened and supported. And again, there's not one way or one method or one magic, you know, parenting book that's going to answer that question for each person. But I feel like it's, it's more the invitation to ask why than it is about the answer. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, And you're right. There's not just one magic way. There's not one formula. There's not one book with all the answers. Um, Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, Let's switch gears for a minute and let's talk about some practical things. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I imagine that women who are listening, they either are already moms, maybe they're about to become a mom, you know, maybe they're pregnant with their first child. Um, what does it look like practically to make more space, either physically or emotionally, for this new role of becoming a mom? 
Like, what does that look like? What did that look like for you as you were preparing to step into motherhood or as you first stepped into motherhood? Sure. I, so this piece might sound a little bit woo woo and I don't mean for it to, cause I'm not <laughs> yeah. a woo woo kind of person. Um, but I think we have this really unique opportunity in pregnancy and as new mothers to listen to our bodies. Um, I spent a lot of time in my childhood and early adulthood, just ignoring my body or like treating it the way I wanted to treat it and, you know, forcing my ideas onto it, trying to control it, trying to subdue it, trying to, you know, push it to the limit. Um, and pregnancy just didn't allow me to do that anymore. And so for the first time, I really felt like I came face to face with, with myself as a physical being, like I, I need to listen here. Um, so I, I think our bodies can tell us and we can learn to listen when we need rest, when we need water, when we need a massage, when we need some time alone, um, when we, especially in new motherhood, like when we need to just not hear our babies crying for a few minutes and not be on, <laughs> not be the one who is ready to respond at any time. Um, and so I think, I think our bodies are really well equipped to tell us what we need. That said, actually heeding what our bodies are telling us is really hard. And so I don't want to gloss it over at all. But um, as much as we can, I think starting from a place of listening and then meeting our own needs is important. And of course, of course, asking for help. Um, I think another practical way that we can make more space for the new role of mom is, again, just don't be afraid of your feelings of loss. Let yourself grieve. Like Life looks really different than it ever has before, and sometimes it can feel like our old selves and our old lives have died. And when we jump straight to this triumphalism or this kind of like glossy version of gratitude, we really miss the opportunity to not just to grieve, but it's the grieving that allows us to take stock of just how much has changed. And I feel like we can't get to the deeper layers of gratitude and the deeper motivation to sort of live this next season well, if we don't acknowledge the pieces that have changed and the pieces that have been hard. So practically, if that means journaling about it or talking to a friend about it or seeking out therapy or just acknowledging it through prayer um, I think it's really important to feel all the things that we're feeling because there is no shortage of emotions in this time. Mm. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think too, whatever makes you feel like you, try to do those things. Again, not perfectly, not for as long as you did before, but just for a few minutes at a time. Um, even if you only have five minutes, that's enough time to read a page of a book or just close your eyes and talk to God for a few minutes or take a walk. Um, I actually created a resource a while back called the self-care planner for busy moms, although I think it could apply to busy women in general. Um, and in that resource, I have a reflection guide that helps you pinpoint what kind of self-care you need, because I think it's different for all of us. What makes me feel like I'm caring for myself is not going to be the same for everybody else. Um, and then um, that resource also has a tracker and then ideas based on how much time you have available. I know for me, like I get five minutes to myself and I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this five minutes? Then <laughs> by the time I think of something, it's gone. And so having a list available of like, I'm just going to pick one thing and do it for me is so helpful because I can't expend that energy on making a decision. I need to have something ready to go. So um, I think those are my biggest things. Listen to your body. Don't be afraid to acknowledge all your big feelings and take care of yourself even for a few minutes at a time. Amen. I love all of those. Um, and it's funny because like as you're walking through them, you know, I'm I'm currently pregnant with our third. Um, uh, he or she is due in November. And I, I'm just, I'm struck with how much I'm having to become reacquainted with these things that I thought like I had a good handle on. And now as I'm newly pregnant, again, it was a very unplanned, unexpected pregnancy. I'm kind of like <laughs> having to 
like relearn how to grieve what feels like is being lost. You know, I'm like having to grieve starting over, grieve my sleep, grieve my body. You know, I, I just Mm -hmm. went on this long weight loss journey, you know, lost a ton of weight. I, you know, I finally felt like I was myself again, if that makes sense. And then boom, you become pregnant and everything begins to change my hair, my skin, my, my belly, you know, everything changes. Mm. And so, you know, I've been dealing with that grief. I've also been having to listen more to my body. You know, my body is craving a lot of different foods and those are not the best foods for me. And so I'm having to like really figure out like, okay, why does my, why do I constantly crave candy? Oh, it's not that I want the candy. I just, I just need something sweet. And so like my husband buys mangoes now for us to eat after dinner as dessert because I don't just want to sit and, you know, not take care of myself either. And so it's so funny, like you're saying these things and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to do those things right now as we speak. Um, Yeah. And I think there's a real ministry to ourselves in also sometimes just buying bigger pants. <laughs> I <laughs> got, because our, our bodies are changing. And I, I just had this weird idea in my first pregnancy that I was going to wear my pre-pregnancy pants into my third trimester oh, and just gosh. like, you know, wear a cute little <laughs> belly band. Nothing else would change. My belly would just get bigger. And um, that's not how pregnancy works. <laughs> Even no, when you're, not. you know, doing your best <laughs> with the eating and the exercising, like our bodies change the way they want to change. And so my, my body changed much more quickly. I, I gained weight faster. I, um, gained much more weight with my son than I did with my daughter in my, you know, in my second pregnancy. And I, um, I got to maybe 35 weeks and I just, I couldn't even fit into my maternity pants anymore. And I was just debating with myself, like, do I buy another pair of maternity jeans at 35 weeks pregnant? This is ridiculous. But I did. Um, I got them on like super sale at Old Navy. And as soon as I put them on, I was like, I feel like I can breathe again, literally (laughs) and metaphorically. I can breathe again. You know, I didn't, berate myself every time I put my jeans on and I could sit at my desk and do my work comfortably. And it's just wearing, again, physically and metaphorically, wearing what fits us at any given moment in time is such an act of love and self-compassion that we can Mm -hmm. show ourselves. Um, And I don't think we can overestimate how much those little acts of kindness to ourselves are worth because it shows Mm. us that we're worthy. Like we're worthy of that care and attention. We don't need to force ourselves into something that doesn't fit. Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate the way you talk about like giving ourselves that self-care, having that self-compassion. And also earlier, you know, how you mentioned it looks different for everybody. You know, like self-care for me might not mean self-care for you. And it's funny because you know, I, you know, I work from home, I mostly stay home, there's not, you know, there's not much going on socially where I'm, you know, leaving the house every day. But I still do my hair and put on my makeup. And like, that Mm -hmm. might seem so silly or trite, you know, to some other people. But for me, like, it feels like a form of self care, it helps me show up better, I feel more prepared to work, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I just I feel more like myself. And it's so funny how, you know, It could be so easy for me to think, well, because other moms might not be doing this, you know, or vice versa, you know, a mom might look at me and be like, well, because I'm not doing that, maybe I'm not, you know, doing it right, or I'm not doing enough for myself. But the truth is, like, whatever you whatever you need to do to show up for yourself, to care for yourself, to give that compassion to yourself. I mean, you have to figure out what that looks like for you. Um, I, I'd love to hear more about what self-care means for you personally, um, just because, you know, maybe there are some things there that other women can relate to and they just need to hear from you. Yeah, I think so. This is this is not my idea, but I don't remember where I heard it for the first time is that self-care is more about building a life that you don't need to escape from. And Mm -hmm. I will say that sometimes I do still feel the need to escape from my life. And that's usually a good indicator to me that I'm not doing enough self-care or that I'm not, not even not doing enough, but not building in that space. Um, And so for me, 
again, so much of it comes back to listening to my body. I think my body and my desires, like, of course, and working in tandem with the Holy Spirit, like, these all kind of work together to show me what I need. So sometimes I need the space to wake up an hour before I need to start getting ready or an hour before I expect the kids to be awake so that I can get some some time to just sit and drink my coffee and read. And other times self-care looks like getting that extra hour of sleep because I can barely keep my eyes open at eight o'clock at night. And so it's always this this dance of what is my body telling me and how can I best meet that need? Sometimes self-care is moving just a little bit every day, you know, going for a 15 minute walk, putting on a 15 minute workout video, even though I'm still wearing my pajamas. Um, (laughs) And sometimes it looks like, you know, I need to really, really move my body. I need to exhaust myself. And then that requires, you know, carving out an hour where I can be uninterrupted to do that. Um, And so I think sometimes also self-care looks like, you know, we haven't had really connected time together as a family. So this is the time to order pizza and like run around outside together. And other times self-care is I have had way too much connected time with my family. (laughs) I need to go just in the car by myself and grab a coffee and just, you know, maybe get out in nature, like you were saying, but, but for me. So again, this looks different for every person. It looks different in every season. It looks different day to day for me. But I think when we approach it from a place of what do I need and what will make me the person I want to be, like, that's a question I'm constantly asking myself, what will allow me to show up as the mother I want to be today? What will allow me to show up as the writer I want to be today? And then trying to do as many of those things as I can. Mm, Yeah. And I, I love how you mentioned connectedness. And I've been thinking a lot about that because for me, like self-care honestly looks like spending time with my husband sometimes. Or just like yeah. having honest conversations with my husband about what I'm feeling, what I've been working on, my goals, what I feel like I've been failing at, you know, having those more vulnerable discussions. Um, and I know that in your book, you talk about how motherhood can be used to draw partners close together. Um, and I just love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, what has that looked like for you? And what encouragement can you maybe offer the mom or or the newly pregnant mom who you know, just wants to maintain that, that strong relationship with her partner. Absolutely. Um, I learned these lessons kind of the hard way in that I, I thought I was doing everything wrong, but I wasn't. Um, So I, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of premarital advice that said, always put your husband first. And I love the heart behind that sentiment. And I totally get it. But when I had this new newborn baby, I was like, I can't put him first. I can't do it right now. And so I thought that because, again, that sneaky perfectionism, since I couldn't be this perfect wife or this perfect person or even just the person I was before, that our marriage was going to be doomed. And so I think my my best advice or like the, how I could encourage you to keep your, you know, to keep drawing closer together is just don't lose sight of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, you're again, not the same people that you were before you became parents. You have fundamentally changed as a person, both of you, both partners have. And that means that your marriage is fundamentally different from the way it was before. And so we can appreciate our shared history and we can appreciate all the things that came before parenthood. Um, but we can also reimagine and be excited about the future and what that means. So one thing about, um, the present, if it's really hard right now, if you're in the midst of, you know, a new baby in the family, or maybe that second or third, or maybe you have like three toddlers running around, um, the hard moments you're living in right now will become your new shared history. They will become shared medals of honor lately or later. Um, and so 
the moments that just feel so difficult, like another blowout, another screaming fest, another whatever, those are the the things that you will laugh about as a couple together and think, we made it through that. Like we did that. <laughs> and look at where our kids are now. Look at where we are now. Um, and so as much as possible, just keep your eyes on each other and keep communicating and let new parenthood be an opportunity to truly reimagine your partnership and not trying to claw your way back to what you were before, but to embrace what's coming and dream about your shared future and use this as your opportunity to just be silly and outrageous and bold because it's not something you're married to each other. You're not married to your plans. So the point is not to like map out this perfect plan for the future. Like once our kids are old enough, we're going to do this, that, and that. Um, And these are all the ways we're going to get there. But instead to just bond by envisioning what the future could look like and what you want it to look like and who you want to be together as a family. And I think that will allow you to keep growing together in the same direction. Mm, Thank you for that encouragement. Um, And I, even just the phrase, you know, the shared medals of honor, I can like think back to so many different scenarios over the past few years of parenthood where it kind of does feel like, you know, my husband and I, we've been in this like battleground. We've been, you know, fighting these battles with sleep training and disciplining and, toddler toddler tantrums and just all the things and you're right like one day you're going to realize like these are the things that grew us these are the things that you know we can laugh at these are things that we we now have in common um so that's that's just a beautiful way to 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 explain that um I want to switch gears one more time because there's there's another section in your book that I just I feel like it probably resonates with a lot of women Um, And it's on the topic of being a working mom who Mm -hmm. is maybe feeling pulled between career and life as a mom. Um, How how can you speak to that for the listener who maybe is dealing with that right now? Maybe um, maybe she is working full time, part time, but also um, feeling pulled to stay at home and to be the best mom she can be. Or maybe there's a listener who was the working mom and then has recently, you know, maybe as she's become a mom, or maybe, you know, just as her kids have gotten older, she's stepped down from that role and is now having to come to terms with being the full-time parent. I don't know. I'm just wondering how, what, what can you Mm. speak to that? Well, I always have so many thoughts on working motherhood. Um, and I want to preface all this by saying that I know that we have all kinds of different reasons for the choices that we make. I know some women work by choice, others work out of necessity. Sometimes it's both or a combination. Some women, you know, are at home by necessity, even though they'd much rather be working. You know, we, I can't possibly um, think of every specific combination of reasons that we've made our choices. And so I get it. And I think it comes from an incredible place of privilege that I can even talk about this as a choice. Um, And of course, I just wish that moms didn't have to feel that, that deep of a pull. I wish so much about the work landscape was more conducive to families and mothers with you know, flexible working arrangements and access to childcare. I feel like we're always reinventing our childcare situation. Um, but I think one thing that has been really encouraging to me is remembering that every decision I make has benefits and trade-offs. It's so tempting for me to think that there's a perfect option out there where everything is good and everyone is happy and everything is perfect and everybody's fulfilled. And it's, you know, the truth is that staying at home has benefits and trade-offs. So does working full-time. So does any other combination of like seasonal work or working at home or whatever. Um, and so it's a blessing if we get to choose our benefits and trade-offs. And so anytime I feel that, that itchiness, like this isn't working, um, I try to remember like, okay, what are my other options here? What are the benefits and trade-offs associated with those? Because there's not going to be a perfect solution to the way that I'm feeling. And then also on the flip side of that, we have the, if we're, you know, really lucky, 
we have the opportunity to change our minds. What we decide to do about work and family, um, like our family is forever, of course, but like so many of the moving pieces around the way we live our lives are fluid. And so I'm a let's make a decision and research the heck out of it and then stick with it forever kind of person. But I, I don't like making decisions twice. But if I can put a little less pressure on the decision to begin with and know that it doesn't have to be forever, um, that just gives me a lot more freedom. Um, and that freedom looks like asking questions like, what does working enable for me? Um, what kind of structure does it give to my life? What kind of financial freedom does it provide? What kind of fulfillment does it give me in my creativity and my skills? And when I think about the big picture of my life, like I'm talking the next 50 years, not just this parenting of this season of parenting small kids. Do I like who I am because of my work? Do I like who I am at work? Do I like who I am when I come home from work? And how do I want my children to see me? And if it feels like something still needs to change, what's like one little change that I could make that would make a big impact? Because I have a tendency to then want to blow everything up when maybe just a little tweak is in order. Maybe I just need to work from home one more day a week. I don't need to like totally change careers. Um, So I think asking ourselves those sorts of questions can help us sort out what's really going on. Maybe when that indicator light is on, you know, we know something's not working. We know we feel pulled in an unpleasant way. Um, But what's really going on here and and how do we want things to change? Mm -hmm. And then finally, I think for a long time, I worried that because I missed my daughter was when I was at work, that I was making the wrong choice. And I, I don't mean that like you go to work and wish more than anything that you could just be home with your kids all day. What I mean is like, I missed her when I scrolled my phone. I like, I missed her. Like I, I said goodbye to her and it made me really sad, but I found that having an opportunity to miss my kids makes me a better mom. And so that's part of the reason that I work. Um, there have been seasons where, again, we haven't had consistent childcare where I've been doing a lot of work at home while also being around my kids all day. And in those seasons, I feel it. And I tell my husband, like, I just need an opportunity to miss the kids. (laughs) Um, And I think the flip side is true too. Like our kids missing us does not mean we're making a wrong choice here. Like feeling that pull and that tension between home or like our families and work. And that's not always a bad thing. Like we can be sensitive and responsive to everyone in our family. We can, you know, my daughter doesn't send me off to work saying, you do you mom, I'll be fine over here. I'll be here when you get back. (laughs) She like throws her arms around my neck and says, I'll miss you. I'll miss you, mommy. But again, like what does my work enable? It enables her to have time with her dad one day a week as the primary caregiver. It, you know, it gives her such quality time with my mom and my husband's mom when they care for her. And it gives her time at daycare where she's learning to interact with other kids her age. And they do all the messy art projects that I am not willing to do at home. And she receives and learns so much more than I can give her as someone who is not trained in early childhood education. And so I guess all that to say is feeling that pull does not mean you've done the wrong thing. It's like so many things in motherhood. It's an invitation to explore and consider what you might really want under all this and what the Holy Spirit might be telling you. Mm, Thank you for putting words to what I think a lot of women, honestly, like they do feel, you know, they wonder, am I, am I doing right by my family because I want to work, you know, or am I doing right by me because, you know, I'm, I'm not working, you know, like just all those sorts of questions that, you know, they can be heavy to answer and to like really, to really, you know, narrow in on, but you're right. The, the answer to those questions doesn't have to be complicated. It might just be, one small change. It might just be a tweak. Um, I know that for me, like there was a time where, you know, my schedule had started getting busier as I was working from home. And I started wondering like, oh my gosh, am I not, am I not spending enough time with the kids? Am I escaping upstairs to the, to the office too often? 
And it finally occurred to me like, okay, I can either keep feeling this way and keep, you know, beating myself up and keep questioning, or I can just try to do some new things to maybe spend more time with the kids. And so I decided like, okay, even though I might be spending the day working, even though, you know, they might miss me and I might miss them, at least like after dinner, I can sit down on the couch and read library books to my three-year-old, you know, or like, or at least, you know, I can help out with bath time. You know, I can play with them while they're in the bath or, you know, I can read the bedtime stories before bed. And I've learned to not underestimate those small changes and those small moments because sometimes that those really are the most fulfilling moments. And those are the ones that kind of remind you you're doing okay. You know, like you're you're not failing in the way that you think you are. Um, One of my favorite um, parenting uh, I guess she's a podcaster and an author. Her name is Janet Lansbury. She calls that connected caregiving. Yes, and that yes. has become like an anchor for me in my days. Like it doesn't matter what else has happened that day. If I can sort of put a smile on my face and be silly while my daughter and I brush her teeth and read the bedtime story, um, that just, that goes such a long way. And so looking for ways that, we can connect during those care. Like we don't need to be our children's cruise directors all day long for them to feel loved by us. But it's in those moments of connected caregiving where they feel that deep sense of love and security and, you know, sometimes silliness from us. And so I look for those routines that like often honestly feel like drudgery, like bedtime feels like drudgery. But when I reimagine it as this is my chance to really connect with my daughter after we've both had a long day, it just, it totally changes the game. Mm, Yeah. Um, So thank you just for sharing your heart, sharing more about your book um, and just, you know, encouraging, offering encouragement to the listeners. Um, I'd love for you to share with the listeners where they can find your book and also where they can find you so they can connect with you online. Oh, thank you. Um, My book is called Expecting Wonder. It releases on August 4th but it's available for pre-order now. I'm not sure when this is coming out. So maybe it's already available. Um, You can find it on (laughs) Amazon, Barnes and Noble and IndieBound. Um, And then you can find my writing and sign up for my email list at BrittanyLBergman.com. And I'll also provide a link to where you can sign up to get that self-care planner for busy moms. Um, If you want to join my newsletter, I call it armchair chats. Um, I send it out. It used to be weekly. Now it's more like biweekly. But it's pretty short. And I just kind of tell you the things that I would tell you if we were sitting and chatting over coffee, the things that I'm reading and learning and loving, and then occasionally a book um, and publishing update. Um, And I'd love to connect on social media. I'm most active on Instagram at Brittany L. Bergman. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you again for your time. Um, just for just for being open with us, sharing your journey with us. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. I loved chatting with you today and wishing you all the best as you welcome baby number three. My goodness. What a change. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs>